What a great time of year it is. Football, football, football. If you're looking to add some excitement to the game, make BetDSI.com your betting partner. Use BetDSI's live betting platform where you can watch all of the events and even bet on all the games until the final whistle. New members get 100% bonus match using promo code MOVIES101. That's double your money to start winning today. So why choose BetDSI? BetDSI has been paying winners for 20 years, and it's one of the top-rated betting review sites. You can use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash this week. BetDSI has a very user-friendly interface and mobile site, and it has the fastest payouts in the industry. Simply play, win, and get paid. BetDSI offers betting options for everything. Bet on NFL, NBA, NHL, boxing, and all other major sports. Even politics, reality TV, and esports. Virtually everything. Try live betting at BetDSI, where you can bet on all the games from start to finish, every play, and every... Produce. Fresh and local. That's what you'll find at Harris Teeter. We're committed to supporting our local farmers and their families. They're our neighbors and our friends. Produce gathered at the peak of freshness and delivered to us. Whether you shop in our stores or order online, you'll find the best local and regional produce for your table, grown not far from where you live. Harris Teeter, your neighborhood food market. Every minute until the end. New members get 100% bonus match using promo code MOVIES101. That is double your money to start winning today. Once again, go to BetDSI.com and use promo code MOVIES101 and get this limited time 100% bonus match offer to make some extra cash. It's only a game until you bet it at BetDSI. Happy October, everyone! It's Kevin and Jenna from Showman's. And this Halloween, we have a very special spooky episode in store for you. We're doing a deep dive into a paranormal true crime classic, the Amityville Horror Story. We'll discuss the controversy, the spooky hauntings, the families involved. And we'll even share a few paranormal stories of our own. <laughs> Don't miss a showman's Halloween, the Amityville Horror Story. This month on the Lady Gang Network and Podcast One. so much for joining us yet again it's another episode of movie house i am ryan snelling and as always i'm joined by pj campbell what's up dude what's going on man it's been a hell of a week we got to see terminator 3 all over again um you and i have been podcasting all over the place i mean we got to see terminator 3 all over again look this is oh the, i see what you're saying yeah the third time that it's Re- happened revisionist history right a hundred percent you know it was halloween um we actually didn't have any trick-or-treaters that we know of because we went to see terminator which yeah was i was great. gonna i was gonna ask you you know we're roommates we spend a lot of time together but i was gonna ask you to pretend like we didn't sp- spend halloween together so if you can creatively answer this <laughs> pj how was halloween for you dude halloween was so great it was like you and i hung out and we went to go see terminator together and chance ellison was there and he had some thoughts for sure yeah yeah Let's go this entire episode. Just promise me we go this entire episode without mentioning any of his thoughts. I don't Can want we to, make like, fun of him, though? 
uh, we could, yeah, let's make fun of him. But like, let's other than that, let's not even entertain what he said. <laughs> if you guys want to know what Chance Ellison thinks, you can probably figure it out. Go to his Twitter account. He's probably got it up on his podcast now. Just go do your required reading. But Chance Ellison will be left off of this conversation. <laughs> um, Halloween was weird. It here. really was. It, it it was one of the strangest Halloweens that I've ever experienced. Just because you know, guys, if you don't know, I was born and raised in Kentucky. I moved out here a couple of months ago and we live in a gated community and this is a gated community. Please get the fuck off the property. We live in a gated community. So it's like people don't travel or drive to this neighborhood to go trick or treating. So it's really just left to everyone inside the gate to do so. It's not chaotic the way that I remember it back home. I mean, back home, if you live in an open neighborhood, small town, you can kind of drive multiple places. So right. there's like traffic inside of neighborhoods is god awful. And the short amount of time that we were actually in our neighborhood before going to the theater, I mean, it might as well have been like a, an apocalyptic wasteland. Like it just wasn't really happening yet. So I noticed a couple people wandering around right before we left, but nothing really crazy. And to be honest, I'm kind of glad because I knew that we were going to the movie because we had gotten our tickets far enough in advance that I was like, I just knew we weren't going to be here on Halloween because you and I tend to go to movies on opening night. So I hadn't really planned on buying candy or anything, and it really would have been awkward had someone knocked at the door and we would have had nothing to give them. Yeah, the the deal is the houses that don't have their porch lights on are off limits but like our porch lights weird it's on the side of the house so people don't really know if we're home until they're right at the front door like you can't tell from the sidewalk or the driveway or anything like that so people would have probably just come up and ring the doorbell anyway because you know people are people yeah they they do things like that look kids want candy i get it they're hoping that every house will have candy for them but unfortunately we were not that people saw a lot of marvel characters that's uh, not shocking. saw thor i think i saw a cap for sure nobody was dressed up at the theater were they did we not see that i saw like no adults just having fun yeah i think everyone was just out having a good time i mean it, yeah. it's unfortunate that it looks like this movie didn't do that well last night and it may not all weekend but at the same time who's really going to the movies outside of us on halloween like the most people are going to be at Halloween parties and stuff, probably. So we're the minority on this, like not dressing up and going out. It definitely was not, a, excuse me, a packed theater, but it also wasn't our experience with, say, Gemini Man, where it sure. wasn't completely barren either. It was, it was a decent crowd. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there were they were seated sporadically in the main bulk of the theater. I don't think anybody sat in like the front, like several rows before the uh, aisle break or whatever, but. Uh, it, it was fine. There was, was a dude a, wearing Daisy Dukes. Yeah. You See, pointed that out to me. Thanks for that. I don't think that's a costume because his partner was a was a woman and they looked like they were into metal, which, you know, I'm into metal. There's nothing wrong with that. But this guy, you know, you can get some crazy characters in, in the rock community. Yeah. I don't think anybody's ever labeled it as the rock community, but I just labeled it as the rock community. This guy was wearing cut off Daisy Duke shorts and it was just normal life. And it was it was very strange. I don't think it was a Halloween costume at all. I don't think so either. It was very interesting. The only Halloween costume that could have been is Tobias from Arrested Development. <laughs> and that but then is again, he had like a black hoodie on, so it wasn't like he was shirtless or anything like that. Now I had a black hoodie on too, wearing my universal Halloween Horror Nights 
sweatshirt. I've barely taken this thing off since I got back from Florida. There's the big reveal, guys. PJ was the one in the Daisy Dukes and the black hoodie. <laughs> so there's that. That is absolutely not true. So thank you for that. He he bought a shirt and he bought a hoodie from Halloween Horror Nights, and he's so attached to them. He he doesn't have any Halloween Horror Night pants, so he decided to do the never nude thing and just wear his Halloween. Did Horror I also stuff. buy a date? Because you said he was with a woman. And currently Chance I do was not there. have one of those. Chance was there. Definitely not that one. I have to ask you real quick, since you know it was Halloween, I feel like I need to ask you. I know you're not big on the movie Halloween, so as far as horror films go and like the spooky season and the thirty one days of horror, what are like your favorite Halloween type films to watch? So I don't watch Halloween movies to get in the spirit of Halloween, if that makes sense. Sure. Like I don't do any like thirty one days of Halloween, whatever it is. Every now and then, I'll be like, huh, why not? Just so I can say that I put on one horror movie. I really like, when it comes to the classics, my favorite is The Night- Nightmare on Elm Street. Night- Fuck. Almost said Nightmare Before Christmas. But anyway, A Nightmare on Elm Street is uh, my favorite like classic like horror film. Right. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I haven't really gotten into horror until the last several years, so I think it's been like really, really damn good. Like I'm a big fan of The Conjuring but again, I don't rewatch these movies per se. Just throwing out some of my recent favorites. It obviously, Don't Breathe. I love Don't Breathe. Okay. It, I uh, described Don't Breathe very similarly to how I described Terminator Dark Fate, which I will uh, unveil here in a minute. But if you saw my tweet, you saw my tweet. Um, yeah, just little things like that. Right I, I, I I'm kind of like not really that into it to where I can barely just come up with things. Honestly, I loved Hush. Okay, okay. That's an unsuspecting... I just want to throw that out there because it's an unsuspecting movie. I don't know if people have seen it I was just real curious because, you know, um, if you want to do the required reading for anyone listening, on the last episode of the PJ Campbell Show that went up yesterday on Halloween, we actually did a bracket game where we figured out what the greatest horror franchise of all time was. Um, Obviously, I'm not going to spill it, but things like Conjuring, Nightmare, Halloween, they were all on there. So it was kind of fun, and I love spooky season. Like Halloween and Christmas are my two favorite times of the year. So it's always fun to do like the 31 days of horror if you can. I was doing it for a little while, but I kind of fell off. Like, I'm going to be honest, it didn't really feel like Halloween this year. Like, it really, we never really got in the spirit in any sort of way, and, you know, that I would have liked really. But we also, you had just moved out here. There's been a lot going on. Like, we didn't have time to be as spooky. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I just don't do things like that. So, yeah. <laughs> well, now but, I know. To, to what you said, though, um, it doesn't feel like Halloween even more so than it. Like I, I've been saying that for a while, but I I kind of say that just because we're adults, right? And like when you're not a kid anymore, Christmas and Thanksgiving they just start to kind of feel like regular days. At least in my opinion, dude, and Christmas was, is a so. fucking mindset. How dare you? Mm, okay. Uh. I, I care so little about it that I'm not even willing to argue. <laughs> Did you see that? Uh, <laughs> like I, I already updated accept... my Twitter to be Christmassy. Yeah, and I think it's pitiful. Not gonna lie, you're pitiful. It's pitiful. You're pitiful. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, it just kind of feels like holidays or regular days now, and it's even weirder out here just because there are no seasons. So sure. at least it snows around Christmas time where I'm at, whether I feel Christmassy or not. The weather's always the same where we are, so 
It's going to be weird this year. It's going to be weird. Also, Thanksgiving coming up. My birthday's coming up. It's going to be strange not to be around my family for all that. So, uh, not sure how I feel about that. It's going to be going to be off. You got me, bro. Uh, it's not good enough. You got chance? Definitely not good enough. <laughs> so, we are here to discuss primarily Terminator Dark Fate. We're not going to... Well, if we have spoilers, we'll put them at the end of the show, so you yeah. guys can listen to the majority of our conversation without spoilers, if you have not seen the movie. Also, I we're feel gonna... like I have to touch on one certain yeah. thing, specifically. We'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, at, after that, we will be talking about the Netflix film The King, starring Timothy Chalamet, Robert Pattinson, Joel Edgerton, so stay tuned for that as well. And yeah, and then we'll, yeah, we'll close it off with Terminator Dark Fate spoilers. Uh, just so you guys know... Our good friend and buddy and co-host and peer, Austin Burke, is not going to be a part of clicking and streaming this week. There are uh, some personal issues that he has to deal with, and it just was not going to work out, and we totally, totally get that and understand that there's more important shit going on in his life. So PJ and I will be taking over clicking and streaming as well, so you will get a, a triple dose of us, because of course we'll also be on TV House, but uh, you and I will return We'll host Clicking and Streaming, and there we will talk about Jack Ryan Season 2, which is on Prime Video right now, and The Nightingale, which is on Hulu. Yep. So if you're listening to this and you want to go on and watch some of that stuff, you totally should. Nightingale's a movie. Apparently, it's really fucked up. Uh, It's on Hulu, directed by, uh, I forgot her name, but the same lady who directed The Babadook, which is another horror film. Jennifer Kent, I believe. No. No. Jennifer Kent is a... Did I get it wrong? Did I get that mixed up in my head with someone else? Let me it's, see. It's going to be Jennifer Kent. I, I was, it is. It is Jennifer I was Kent. Say, I was so sure that it wasn't that I knew it was going to be Jennifer see, Kent. See, I knew what I was talking about for a second. You made me second guess myself. The Babadook is a horror film that I like. Oh, I'm shocked. Ba, ba, ba. I am very excited. Uh, I apologize in advance for all the clicking and streaming fans who are going to have to endure us again. But it's going to be fun. Like I thought last week went really well. Uh, with Dolmite, but you know, my thoughts with Austin right now, like I know how difficult stuff like this is and you know, sometimes life is just life and you, you kind of deal with it, you know? Yep. You gotta take it as it comes, I guess one wave at a time. Yeah. So, uh, thoughts with Austin, go give us some love on Twitter. Uh, if you, if you want to at the Birkinator and there's a three in there, there's a three in place of the E. So there's that. Um, yeah, let's talk about Terminator Dark Fate, man. Let's do it. Because uh, this is good stuff, man. Let's start off with the fact that there's a lot of ways we can tackle this. T- tell me about where you are with this franchise. All right. So, as a franchise alone, Terminator has always been kind of like a staple of my life in a way. Like it was always there. I was I can't remember a time where I didn't at least watch Terminator, Terminator 2, every time they'd be on, like, TNT or something. Like, this series and I go back a really, really, really long way. So, I've always enjoyed it, and every time that they've tried to do another one, like, I've always gotten my hopes up. Maybe I shouldn't have, but I always get my hopes up, and for better or worse, sometimes I enjoy it, sometimes I'm let down. Terminator 3 was the first R-rated film I saw by myself in theaters, which, of all things, yes, it was Terminator 3. And Salvation was one that 
I followed the production of that early on. That was in like the early days of the blog sphere as it was really starting to take off. And I followed the production of that film. I was very, very excited for that film. And it definitely wasn't what I hoped it would be. But there's some stuff in it that I really, really like. Uh, just wasn't quite like the future of Terminator that I expected. Right. And then Genesis came out. And Genesis was around the time that I had finally been in this space, and it was one of the movies that, again, I followed the production from beginning to end, and one of the first ones that I really got to tackle as like a director and things like that. And that was a fairly large deal uh, for me at the time. And all things being equal, I like certain things about all the Terminator sequels. I don't like all of them. I think that T2 is really the only great sequel, obviously, in the franchise, um, predating Dark Fate. And so there's always been things in them, though, that I've also liked. Right. And I was always hopeful with this one specifically because this was like James Cameron coming back, Tim Miller directing, coming off Deadpool, Linda Hamilton returning, Arnold Schwarzenegger returning. Like all of that felt like we're getting something special. We're going to get something that we've all kind of wanted for a long time. Mm. And depending on how it turns out maybe it could be one of the best requels of all time you know you know this is a big trend these days so requel for those who don't know is basically a reboot and a sequel at the same See, time i call it a rebootquel oh that was it a too. requel or a reboot i i i've always called it a requel i get that yeah you switch I mean, out the s and the r it's yeah, a lot cleaner it's a lot cleaner so essentially things like jurassic world and the force awakens are all kind of requels in their own way like each one Basically, it doesn't ignore what came before, obviously. Like, it's the same canon, but it's new characters. The world is different. Like, you kind of start fresh in a world that you kind of know, but you're also able to do different things. Doctor Who was, like, maybe the biggest requel of all time when it came back in the early 2000s. I think people are familiar with that idea. Yeah, well, for those who don't, you know. Because I had people online earlier this week telling me that things like Jurassic World and... Star Wars and Doctor Who were not requels. They were just sequels. And I was like, they're not, though. Like, at least in my opinion. So this one falls into that. And I was hoping that it would be more like The Force Awakens in, like, that quality and that excitement. And we're going to talk about it and see how we all feel. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you mentioned Terminator 3 being your first already movie in a theater. So that movie was out on DVD. And it was given to me as a birthday present on my 13th birthday, I think. And I lived in a household. I wasn't allowed to see R-rated films. So it was kind of this weird thing where it, it was given to me by a friend on my birthday. And I was like, well, it's literally mine right. without permission. So do I watch this? So the first time I watched it, it was it was that night. I had all my friends stay over. My my mom didn't know. We were in the basement. We put on Terminator 3. We were excited about Kristana Loken's uh, nudity. And uh, we got hyped. And honestly, I had that DVD, and I liked the movie. Mm -hmm. And I don't think at that point I had seen either of the previous films. If if I saw any of them, there would have been T2, uh, maybe on cable or something like that. But I definitely had not seen the first one. So anyway, Terminator 3 was kind of like the first Terminator movie that I ever saw. And as it aged, I never really... It was one of those movies that like I liked... But I learned that the movie community had this thing against, and I was just kind of like, okay, I don't really know how it's bad. 
but they were comparing it to two movies I had never really seen before. So I was following the production of Terminator Salvation and I was really excited about it because in a weird way, I was kind of like, I just got into this space. Like, well, no, I shouldn't say that. I wasn't like participating in the space. You and I were both on the outside. But I was like starting to just be a fan of movies and I would check slashfilm.com. Like that's just the extent of it. So I was following the production and I just thought all of it was the coolest fucking thing. Like I couldn't believe that they were doing yet another Terminator with the guy who played Batman. Like all of it sounded really damn cool. And I love the first trailer. I saw Terminator Salvation, and I liked it a lot when I left the theater. I really did. I thought it, it was just this weird experimental take. I don't really have a problem with it. I, I understand why Terminator fans see it as a betrayal or see it as not good. and Because it, it completely is just not what the first two movies are. Which I 100% get. But, I, I don't know. I'm just not hard on it. Because I'm of the belief that... You know, if that movie didn't have the name Terminator, then people would would be a little bit easier on it. I'm not going to act like it wouldn't be a forgettable film or anything like that, but it just it's just so maligned because it isn't what people wanted. So, if anything, just see it as an Elseworld or some bullshit like that. Uh, Genesis, I was excited about just because Amelia Clark. I'll watch her do anything. Um, the the movie was just, also the Return of Arnold. That's true. Uh, the movie is just whatever. I, I think it's watchable, but I don't think it's good. Like, I, t- I turned it on Hulu one night and just, just watched it for, for the fuck of it. <laughs> when, I, when I was in New York the last time, I think, it was either New York or Chicago. I don't remember which. I had it on my phone, and yeah. I just put it on from time to time when I was right. just, like, sitting in the bedroom. Just because it's very watchable at I times. I think it's watchable. Yeah, like... There's a lot of that movie that I really like, especially the first act. Like, I, I've talked about this with you before. Like, I loved the Star Trek angle. The idea of yeah. them doing a timeline that was on top of a timeline and them, like, playing with that. I actually think that whole fight scene with Arnold fighting Arnold at Griffith Park is really fucking cool. Like, yeah. all of that is great. I, the biggest problem for me, after the first act, the movie goes off the rails and is, like, batshit stupid. It's not a good movie. It's not a good movie. But also, like, Jai Courtney is awful and that doesn't really help because he's just not Kyle Reese. Like Not a fan of Alan Taylor's director either. No. I mean, we should have known with Thor The Dark World already that he right. really didn't do this kind of stuff very well. And it's really frustrating. And one thing I wanted to point at real quick that I thought was interesting, as far as Terminator sequels have always gone, the twist of the movies has always been in the marketing. Like, for whatever reason, they always felt the need to be like, this is the twist. John Connor's actually the villain in Genesis. Or that um, Avatar Boy is actually the Terminator in Salvation. I thought that scene is, like, that scene is very effective to me. I think that scene is really cool when he's tied up in chains. Right. He's, like, screaming. Oh, my God. I think it's actually pretty cool. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, so all of that stuff, like, was always in the marketing. Even T3, I think, yeah. showed that Judgment Day was going to happen and all of that. Did it? I don't remember that. Yeah. So the marketing has always been fairly spoilerific. So one of the things going into Dark Fate that I was curious about was how it, were we actually seeing what the twist was to the right. story. And thankfully, no. Thankfully, the twist on this story, I mean, you can kind of figure it out in a way, if you've seen the marketing at all, that you know, a certain character is not a part of the film. 
but I think that it's nice that we actually weren't shown why. You know, that stuff is not dealt with in the marketing. You get to actually see it in the film, and that's very nice. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's wait on that. I don't want to go down that No, I, I, that's why it was very vague. But um, <laughs> my experience with uh, the first two movies, uh, I think I probably watched the first one before Genesis, if I remember that correctly, for the very first time. And... Uh, Obviously loved it. I mean, I think it's fantastic. And people think I'm ageist and don't like older movies. I think the first Terminator is great. Um, second Terminator is obviously great. And there's only so much I can add to that conversation because it's one of the most beloved action movies of all time. So there's all that. When it comes to like the marketing and everything here, I was not a fan of the first trailer. Um, I, I didn't find it that effective. I, I thought it was... I just didn't think it was that well put together. It was a little... Toned down, which is hilarious because I was just kind of talking and praising Terminator Salvation probably more than anybody should. But I just didn't think it was a great trailer, honestly. And so I was still excited to see the movie, but not because of the trailer, just because I thought that there was something else to it uh, based on everything you spoke to before. Jim coming back, Linda Hamilton, all that stuff. Uh, The second trailer I watched about halfway through and realized that, that it was probably showing me too much. So I just turned it off and didn't finish it. So I didn't even watch the second trailer. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I actually really, really like this marketing for the most part, but I also understand why people didn't. And I actually think that at the end of the day, the marketing did not do its job. Um, that's my personal opinion because I think this movie is much better than the marketing actually ended up letting on. And the second trailer, I did wonder if it was showing too much, but at the end of the day, now I feel like it didn't because I felt like there was enough surprises in the film that – I hadn't seen everything, and that was a nice change of pace. <laughs> the biggest surprise was Mackenzie Davis, and it's not because she wasn't like cool in the trailer. There were some money shots in the trailer for sure, but it definitely did not sell, at least for me, how great and instrumental she was to this movie. I thought she was excellent in this. Um, as far as leading ladies go and action heroines, Grace is actually now very much one of my favorites because Mackenzie Davis is so good in the movie. And she really kind of, in a lot of ways, brings the Kyle Reese character in like that design back in a really cool way that feels human again. Because we haven't had a character like this in the franchise since Terminator. Like, not in this way. And I really like that. Right, for sure. Yeah, I think she is probably my favorite thing about the entire movie, if we can just dive right in here. Mackenzie Davis absolutely crushes this role. And it's not because she deserves an Oscar or anything like that. It's not because it's like the best performance. She just has... I'm not that familiar with her. Like, I'm obviously aware of her. I've seen her, her in things. But I didn't know that she had this in her. She is just such an absolute badass in the way that you need to be badass on a lot of the stunt work. She's obviously ripped, right. very reminiscent of Linda Hamilton in T2. She's ripped, uh, and she just like hits hard every punch she sells. Like I just thought she was an absolute badass, and I actually cared about her character. So good on them. And we're going to talk plenty about Tim Miller, too, because I think he's maybe... I don't know, at least top three most important things to this movie. But uh, 
good good for her. Like she she is literally my favorite thing. All hail Mackenzie Davis in the role of Grace in Terminator Dark Fate because she she is just unbelievable in this. Well, she was really good in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Also, I don't remember. You didn't? Did you see all of twenty forty nine? Of course I did. Okay, yeah, I thought she was great in that. I mean, and so was Anna Diarmas, like who you and I are both big fans of. Like, I really love Blade Runner twenty forty nine. It's one of my favorite movies of the decade. She's not really in it that much though. But she's good in when it, when she is enough that she leaves a mark. Like, and I couldn't wait to see her in other things. So when they announced that she was in this, I was very excited because I was like, oh, she was really, really good in Blade Runner 2049. And with a competent director and script, she could be very good. You a big uh, Halt and Catch Fire fan? Did you watch any of that? No, I didn't. I never saw a single frame of that, actually. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. I should check it out. But so because of that, I was excited. And she does not disappoint. She's just really, really excellent in the movie. And like I said, Grace is just a character that we really haven't seen since the original Terminator like in this type of vein of a character who is sent back in time to protect someone and things like that. Because, I mean, sure, I guess technically Arnold in T2, but, I mean, he's a Terminator and not human. So it's just nice to have a human character from the future again. And it very is reminiscent in ways of the original two movies. And it's also kind of like The Force Awakens where there's a lot of rhyming with time happening. Sure. But I like that. And... I kind of wanted to focus on that a little bit just because I know that I've seen some people complaining about it. They're like, oh, they just remade T1 and T2. Yes and no. Are there beats that are very similar? Yes. But I think that especially with this in the same way that Star Wars does, it's almost important that it is doing that thing because the way that the series is kind of broken down now is that we keep leading ourselves into this, you know, fight over and over and over again with whatever the futuristic monster technology is going to be. You know what I mean? And because that's happening, we kind of do the rhyming thing where now it starts over. And I liked that idea because it now broadens us to do something more to explore it because it feels different this time. So I'm under the impression that Terminator is one of these legacy franchises that actually has no business being a franchise. So many people love the Alien franchise idea, right? They don't love every movie, but they love the idea of Alien or Predator. And now Terminator, I think Terminator is lumped into this. A franchise that never really needed to be a franchise, which... Guys, I'm not I'm not acting like they couldn't have made a sequel or whatever, maybe capped it off as a trilogy. But whenever this stuff kind of comes up again, it just it doesn't actually excite me as a movie fan, just sure. because it's a legacy franchise. Because I think all of them are pretty tired and and creatively bankrupt, and I would be fine never having seen any, another movie from any of these franchises ever again. I might be able to come up with another example if I think more about it. But honestly, those are like the three big three in my opinion, and. Honestly, you know, I, I didn't need this movie either, and I, I don't really want to say it that way, but it's only because of the of the reputation that they've had. Like, I, I just, there's only so much you can do, I think, with all of this stuff. And I think that's where that complaint comes from, is that, oh, we're seeing this again. But I also just can't deny when they put out a good movie. So right. do I still believe in what I just said? Sure. But that doesn't mean that I didn't just see a really cool-ass action movie. And that I'm not, ex- like, I-, I could definitely get excited about another one. But if I don't get another one, I'm okay too. 
more, de- more than ever, I see the promise of a sequel, though. I definitely see the promise of a sequel, and I think the thing that you just hit on is the most key part of all of this is that Alien and Predator, for people, feel creatively bankrupt. Um, I'd say Predator much more than Alien at this point, because I actually find a lot to like about the Alien prequels. But this is by far... If, if they stuck to it. If they stuck to it. Like, we saw Covenant... And they couldn't even decide what direction to go on. Like, right? He, Prometheus, and we defend Prometheus here. And I like Prometheus because it was something different, right? Than the tired. There's alien a lot setup. about Covenant I like too, until it becomes an alien movie. Exactly. Like if they had just done Prometheus two, right. I'd be way more on board with all of that. But the fact that it just became the same old tired thing again, I don't appreciate it as much because w- we've been there, done that with this whole thing. But so, I, I still like all the stuff with Michael Fassbender and maybe, as maybe David. Maybe that's why and, I'm not hard on like Salvation. Like I maybe. said, it, w- it just felt different. It just well, felt different, so I, it didn't bother me. But that's what I was going to say with Dark Fate is like, of all the times that this has felt true, Dark Fate for me feels like it's... Is it similar? Yes, but it also feels like the freshest approach to the material in a long time. Right. And it's the most interesting since T2 in a lot of ways. I mean, the bar is low, really, when you think about it. Like, people have their varying feelings about Terminator as a franchise. So you have to kind of stick the landing eventually. And the thing is, is that this movie has to go out of its way to be different than the others and do something different with the mythology, and it takes that leap. And I'm glad it does, because in my opinion, I think it finally found what the heart of the franchise was again in a way that we hadn't in a long time. And I think that it's unfortunate that by doing that, it's going to put off a lot of people, because I've seen a lot of Terminator fans who are like super against the movie already for the choices that it's made. But for me... I felt like we were back at the core of what this franchise was, but also showing the promise and potential of doing something completely different again. I think Mission Impossible reminds me a lot of this. How, like, we can literally see that it's the same movie over and over again. Right. But they're also just really damn good all the time. Sure. You know? And at least have new set pieces and things like that, doing cool shit. And And Tom Cruise running. Right. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, that's really... You know, it works. It, it really does. So it's also kind of a scapegoat that you you do erase every other sequel and say, oh, this is the true T3, kind of. if you will. It, kind of what? So in the movie, the thing that I liked, and this isn't really a spoiler, but they finally kind of deal with the rotating future thing and why Arnold's actually in this one. It's all explained. And I kind of liked that it also leaves it open-ended in a way that they talk about that there's a lot of alternate timelines and a lot right. of alternate futures. So in a way, yes, it completely ignores all the other ones for this particular story. But in a t- in a future that Arnold explains, as things continue to change, every one of those movies could have happened in you know a certain point sure. of view. Sure, yeah, definitely. Which I thought was cool. Right, for sure. Um, Tim Miller... You know, it was really disappointing when he wasn't coming back for Deadpool 2. Not going to lie. I was really disappointed when that was the case. Not a big David Leach fan. And as time has gone on, I just don't really appreciate Deadpool 2 that much. I don't think it's... I just think it's so average. I, I, I could go either way on that movie. I'm not crazy about it. Not you, like the you've first heard anyway. my, my opinion on it, right? Have we talked about it on here? Mm, 
I don't know. I think I threw out the take that Solo is better than Deadpool 2, and nobody acts like it is. Well, <laughs> that is true, but what I was going to say is I find it very strange and like kind of concerning in a way that Deadpool 2 has three cuts of that movie within oh, right. like a year and a half, right. and the PG-13 version that they did for funsies to ape off the princess bride is arguably the best version and that's very strange to me do people think that or do you think that? no i think that because okay. i think it's arguably I, say, I didn't know uh i know that john roca agrees with me i still haven't seen it i just didn't feel the need. i have it i mean if you ever feel the need to watch it it's got a couple of decent jokes in the princess bride stuff at, le- at least i don't i probably will just for completionist sake but I don't really care either way, honestly. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not that big of a fan of Deadpool 2 or David Leach as a director. So it was disappointing before and after that fact. But another huge positive for me is that Tim Miller, I think, directed the shit out of this movie. And I'm super glad. I mean, he, he just pulled it off. He really, really did. I, I think he made a huge statement with this because I think Terminator Dark Fate is leaps and bounds better than Deadpool 2. And I just think that's really, really awesome. And we recently just got a report that, like, the thing would have been in Deadpool 2 under Tim Miller's direction. And, like, I like that choice better than... Uh, I assume that it was... It was in place, like, of, in place Colossus. Of, Col- of Colossus. Or yeah. of... Uh, no. Juggernaut. It would have been in place of Colossus because it would have been the thing fighting Juggernaut, apparently. Oh, okay. I think this is what the report read, something like that. Uh, and I, it was supposed to be, from what I understand, and I'll, I'll take a crack at this real quick, is that it was supposed to be Michael B. Jordan and Rooney Mara and... Kate Mara. Or Kate Mara and all of those kids from Trank's version. Interesting. Yeah. But in a Deadpool movie, so it, it would have made a joke of it. Right. And not... I, I like that. I like that. That's clever. Yeah. But anyway, so Tim Miller directed the shit out of this thing. He really, really did. It's a phenomenal action movie. He made a statement with this. He's definitely not a one-hit wonder. And again, I'm, t- I'm, I'm giving kudos all around. Good for Tim Miller as well for, for crushing it yet again. I do want to talk about the visual effects now that we're on Tim Miller because that's obviously where he comes from, Blur Studios, things like that. I, I didn't think the visual effects were tremendous in spots. I'm really, really tired of people getting really rubbery in fight scenes. And I think, I mean, I don't like it in general, but I just thought this was a worse example than what I mean. Spider Man looks pretty damn good, even though he might be rubbery in some of the fight scenes. But um, yeah, I mean, just certain things like I, I couldn't even buy like t shirt textures when it, uh, what's the Terminator's name? The Rev 9, the actor. Oh, Gabriel Luna. Gabriel, yeah, that's right. When Gabriel Luna would turn uh, gummy for a minute, like his clothes would just be completely fake looking, and so I couldn't even buy that. It's one thing to like kind of have like a mushy face or whatever, but I just I didn't think it was as good as it as it should have been. Um, but but other than that, I thought the visual effects were actually pretty pretty good, and uh, a lot of the set pieces, a lot of the sequences work for me. There's something that takes place underwater that I really really bought into. And uh, so yeah, the visual effects were were mostly pretty good. Uh, there's just a couple of things that I didn't like, but I think maybe the best visual effect was the Rev Nine uh, matte black Terminator. Mm. I just thought it looked super damn badass, and his abilities are entirely special effects. A lot of those particle effects, and it kind of gets like venomy in a way. Um, is that all that stuff in the trailer? That ability, by the way? Yeah, because I, I remember s- it was in the first trailer. 
I just wanted to make sure I didn't spoil it. So yeah, that was in the first trailer. So Gabriel Luna, and it happens very early on in the movie. So oh yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, Gabriel Luna, uh, his appearance can separate itself from the Terminator. So there's actually like in a weird way two Terminators at a given moment. And the uh, the effects, the the transformations, and then the Terminator on his own, it's it's all really really damn good. And I think that's probably probably the best best one in my opinion. Miller came so far as a director between this and Deadpool, it's almost ridiculous. Like I was talking about it with you in the car on the way home, and you and Chance like not to bring up any of this, but you guys were like, well, Deadpool or Chance said that Deadpool was still better than this, and. I kind of went, really? Like, as far as your opinion on the movie and stuff? And you you even went, well, I'm not sure if I can even say that I like it better. And I was like, I see where you guys are coming from. But for me, as a film, Tim Miller came so far just as a director that it's already leaps and bounds better as a film to me than Deadpool was. And I, I was so impressed because... He got to do so much more than he got to do with Deadpool and show off his talent so much more. Like, every action set piece in this film is utterly different than the one before it in so many different ways. And that makes it really special, and I feel like he really tried to do something unique with each one where each scene got to show off a certain character in a certain way or, you know, however they wanted to do it. Like, every character in this movie has a part of these action sequences and has a part in the overall story. Like it's very impressive just how much he grew as a filmmaker between two films. Yeah. I I don't know if I still think it's how how long was he on that project prior to it getting made Deadpool. Yeah. Like he was on it from the very beginning because he was the one who as long as Reese and Wernick were mm -hmm, as far as I'm aware because he was the one who shot that Blizzard studio. Right. Okay. Well, I just, didn't remember it exactly, but the thing that I always thought about Tim Miller, having only seen one movie of his for the past three years until last night, um, I kind of always wondered if he was a one-hit wonder because Deadpool was like so good, and I still think, I, I think I believe that Deadpool's better than this. I might need more time with it, but with that said, it was possible that he was a one-hit wonder in the sense that like it, it felt like Deadpool was so homegrown. Like, right. In, in the music space where I come from, we always talk about how most first albums are really fucking good because it's the album that every musician's been waiting their entire life to write. Um, so it's one of those things that I think that he w- Deadpool was just a part of his consciousness for so long that he he definitely knew what kind of movie he wanted to make. No, he was definitely. super confident in it and was there from from day one, I guess. Uh, so with that said, I, I really didn't know how to take him directing this. I really didn't. I just I hope for the best. And uh, but he showed up, man, and he just made he made a really fucking good. He made the best Terminator sequel post T two in my opinion, without a doubt, which I don't think it's like, some people are using that as a slight. I don't think it's a slight at all. I no, think, I think it's absolutely fair to say I mean, that. I think I think this would be a fun-ass, it, it, well, it'd be a weird-ass trilogy. Like, it, it's a very strange trilogy because it's kind of like, it doesn't do enough concluding in a finale kind of sense. Like, there's closure for sure, but it doesn't act like it's closing the book on a trilogy. There's right. just, like, a beginning, middle, and end for this movie. So, it'd be a weird trilogy. So, that, that'd that be weird to say. 
but it does fit right alongside the first two movies very, very comfortably. And yeah, not only did he make a great Terminator sequel, but he just made a really damn good action movie. Like we I, were we were talking about like non MCU branded, non DC, non Star Wars, like branded action movies that we just think are high quality. Uh, I'm a big fan of literally any blockbuster that Bad Robot makes, things of that nature. Uh, but they're kind of few and far between. And this one is is fantastic, and I'm happy to say that. I I mean, I'll say this, and I know that there's going to be people who push back on it, and that's fine. But in my opinion, this is arguably one of the best blockbusters in the last six years, easily, especially from the action set like standpoint alone. Like it rivals stuff like John Wick and Mission Impossible for me in just being like a balls to the walls action thriller. And that's the other thing about this movie is that for the first time since T1 and T2, everything about this movie actually feels tense. Like you can feel the dread during the chases. You can feel the fear that the characters are dealing with while Gabriel Luna is chasing them down and stuff. Like there was a palpable sense of every character's emotions in this world. And that was really important. And on top of that, this is the first film in this franchise post T2 that sounds like those movies. Yeah. And that's like, it goes a long way. Like you don't think about it, but the sound pieces alone in this film, like you hear things and it sounds like a Terminator movie. It feels like a Terminator movie. Like everything about this just gels in the right way. And I think a big part of that too, Tim Miller understood this. And it's the thing that you and I have been kind of alluding to, because we haven't touched on it. The return of Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton coming back to this film ends up being a very necessary thing because for the first time in a long time, I feel like someone figured out that this franchise was always about Sarah. Like Sarah was the heart and soul of the Terminator films and without her, they became soulless. I agree 100%. And that's not really, I didn't have that mindset going in. I thought it was just cool that she was coming back. You know what I mean? But I didn't really think about what it meant in context to everything else that had came before it. So with that said, I agree 100% that if... I don't want to spoil too much, but what I will say is that Linda Hamilton is purposefully the focus in this movie, and it's all the better for it. Because if it was... If that wasn't the case, then... I think that would have added to it being tired and uninspired. And it also, we'll talk, we'll talk more about this in spoilers for sure. Cause I, I can't say everything that I want to say here. No, but, but, but you're absolutely right. Actually, the point I will make is that I actually don't think that like, she is the biggest deal overall to the movie. Like the way she's introduced is, is great. Yeah. I think that's one of the highlights of the film easily. Yeah. And one of the best Terminator sequences maybe ever. Right. Um, And that's another thing that I'd like to say is like the action sequences in this movie. I know I just said it like I think that they're amazing. I think this is some of the best action Terminator has ever seen. Like a lot of it rivals the stuff that Cameron did in T2. Yeah, I agree. Um, Lena Hamilton kind of becomes a side piece for a little while. Like she's in addition to the ensemble here, but it's not like I wouldn't say it's her movie. And I think like a... An easy comparison might be like the return of, uh, is it Laurie Strode? Yes. In the recent Halloween. I don't think she's as pivotal as she is to that movie. Because this is more of an ensemble piece and you have Mackenzie Davis you're worrying about. You have uh, the other actress whose name is uh, Natalia right Reyes. 
Natalia Reyes, like she's a big part of this movie as well. So I do think that once Sarah Connor is, in, Connor is introduced, she becomes a part of a whole as opposed to the primary focus. So that's just my opinion anyway. Of course, PJ spills drinks in my carpet here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but it's not a big deal because I think it's just a good thing that I like so much more about it. And she, she just adds to it is really all that I'm saying. But I don't think it's necessarily like her movie. It's not fully her movie but her storyline is as equally important i think in the long run as some of the other stuff like it just makes sense that she's here and it's very important that she is and i'm glad she is because if she wasn't i think that the movie would not work nearly as well like you need the very emotional storyline that she is faced with with carl carl played by arnold schwarzenegger the best name for a terminator ever yeah, I'm glad you brought him up because <laughs> one one dynamic that I didn't see coming was that he he made this movie a comedy. The second, a little bit. The second he he entered it, like Arnold's very funny in T2. Right. Like we do we forget? I don't know. Maybe we don't forget. But <laughs> when he enters the movie, it's about halfway through. He's not in the entire thing, but he's in most of it still. When he enters the movie, the movie becomes funny. I'll put it that way. Like he adds it didn't make so me much laugh. levity. It didn't make me laugh at all until he came in, and it it worked. It's jarring, but it totally worked, and it was so good to see that. I just watched T two the night before, so it was just really fun. It was really fun to see him him do that, and it was funny to see how the movie just took that route when it was completely. I don't know why it was unexpected. Just because it, it just wasn't at all funny until he got um, in. I thought there was very little levity in the film for the most part. And that's not a critique of it, obviously. Like, the movie's not made to be a comedy. But Arnold definitely lends a little bit of humor to it in a way that is very reminiscent to the humor in T2. Um, the thing I really like about his character a lot is they also humanized him. And this is arguably the best performance that Arnold's given as a Terminator in the franchise. Like, T2, he's really great too, don't get me wrong, but because this one is just so different, it really adds an extra layer of what he's able to do, and I really, really like it. I'm not sure about that statement either, but I think it's really only because there's kind of two different Arnold Terminators. There's right. the scary one, and then there's the uh, the funny sidekick. So I kind of just, dep- it depends on what you prefer what what he's supposed to embody as a Terminator. But I've obviously kind of already declared that I love that he was funny in this. But Well, I just mean as a performance, though. Like, I don't even mean, like, it's the best character. I just think it's his best performance because there's a lot that he gets to do that I think we really haven't seen. He doesn't get to do things like this a lot of the time because most people look at him as, like, the macho meathead action hero because he is. That's who Arnold was. That's what he made a lot of his career doing but he also has range when he wants to and those little moments like that really shine through and there's enough of them in the film that it makes for a very great performance i don't want to go this entire podcast without speaking a little bit more on natalia reyes character uh danny i thought that she she did a good job i'm not familiar with this actress whatsoever um, i thought she did a good job she's the character and her storylines kind of what brings us in to this story but I also don't have like any tremendous takeaways either. Um, I would still like her to be like a part of the franchise and things like that. But she just, there were a lot more things on my mind 
before coming back to this actress, but not not for any particular reason other than it was just bloated with that much goodness. And I think she's very good in her role. Yes. Like, she really is. She's not given a ton to do until the last act. She's the focal point of the film, and that's not saying she doesn't do anything, but the other characters around her are the ones that are kind of dealing with the situation but she's the perfect blend of what you want a character like this to be similar to linda hamilton in terminator but also kind of a little more feisty if you will like she really seems to kind of take what's happening very head-on in a very specific way that i like and i really hope that we get more movies because we're in a place now where she'll be the lead and, and I, th- I like that. I like. Th- I think the movie sold her arc too. Yes, like absolutely. I, I bought how different she was by the end of the movie, for sure. Like I, I really bought into that. So good on them. And again, also Gabriel Luna, his Reb Nine, his Terminator. It's it's badass. Like everything about him, he does a great job acting as well. So again, the action, the action was great. I don't know if it's because we saw it in IMAX that I got so caught up in it, but like. I just thought it was so punchy. And mm-hmm. th- so the term I used on online is that I just wanted this thing to ball the fuck out. And that's how uh, I described Don't Breathe earlier in the podcast. But that's really all that I wanted this movie to do. I kind of said I didn't care what it did or didn't do for Terminator canon. And I walked out of this movie super impressed and super happy that that is the case. So I think this thing is, I think it's a wonderful action movie. And I hope enough people buy into what we're saying here that they go give it a chance because because I am definitely open to a sequel for this. I kind of need a sequel. I don't know if we're going to get one. Um, it's really going to depend on how this movie ends up doing overseas, I think, at this point. But this is arguably, at least in my opinion, one of the best action films of the decade. I think that this movie absolutely is top to bottom what every Terminator fan kind of wants this franchise to be. And I really, really hope that people who have put it off as just another Terminator film will actually give it a chance because I don't want them to just go, I don't need to see it. I've seen all these Terminator movies at this point. Right. No, you haven't because this one's, this one is the correction that you've been waiting for. Everyone who loves T1 and T2 should really give this movie a shot because in and of itself, it's a really great film, but I think it's a really great continuation of the franchise in a way that it maybe never needed to be. And a great addition to just 2019 films. Yes, really, absolutely. I'm, I'm super glad we saw it in theaters and IMAX. I'm glad we didn't just dismiss it because it was a, a ton of fun. So, uh, Chance thought it was okay and he sucks. So anyway, <laughs> if you want to hear our spoiler discussion, stay tuned after our review of The King on Netflix. So... Enjoy that. Just be patient. It's all good. But it'll be there after we review The King. Now, we are going to talk about The King. It's out on Netflix right now, starring Timothy Chalamet. I think we previewed this a little bit last week on uh, Clicking and Streaming with with Austin. You and I put this off as long as we could. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you and I had other things we wanted to do before watching this. It is Saturday evening, uh, pretty much probably right before I upload the episode, and the movie house is going up up a little bit later than usual. But we did have the breathing room since clicking and streaming. It's actually, I think, 
We said earlier it was yeah. going to happen. And I think I'm just going to edit that out. That way people are none the wiser. But originally the plan was that you and I were going to take over clicking and streaming duties. But then we decided just to not do it all together. I was busy with some other stuff as well. So that's just how it worked out. So here we are. This is the last thing we're doing this weekend <laughs> until the Watchmen recap. But we're happy to be here. Right. And, uh, of course, again, stay tuned uh, for the Terminator Dark Fate spoiler discussion at the end of this podcast. Um why did it take us so long to sit down and watch this? Well, I mean, I thought it was really important to go out and have pizza today with uh, some friends. And last night, you and I just like were not in the mood for a period piece type thing. Like we, we talked about it. We were going to do it. And then by the time we got to it, you and I both sat down and had Netflix open. And we were like, not tonight. Like, yeah. It just wasn't, I just wasn't feeling it. You weren't really feeling it. And that's, that's okay. Sometimes movies like this, you want to be in the right headspace. Like you, for how often we're watching movies, we don't watch a lot of headier drama type stuff like this. But today started off with me rewatching Ray and realizing that that movie was 15 years old and feeling really old. But in doing that, it kind of set the tone for the rest of the day in a way where I felt like I could actually be into watching like a period drama and in the long run I'm kind of glad I did yeah it's it's not often that we as in uh, the cats and the dogs are wrestling outside as soon as we get started with this and that's just how the universe works it's just how it goes here in the house yeah it's not often that I discover like a new new taste of mine like you and I have been steeped in this movie stuff for a while i think we're pretty set in our ways and we know ourselves we know what we like and don't like but right. it, it's not often that we like learn that we dislike something over time a little bit later anyway and i guess what i'm trying to get to is that i don't know if i am attracted to movies like this sure i mean it makes sense they're different like they aren't the kind of things that you and i necessarily grew up on you know sure I'm of the belief that storytelling is a lot more interesting without the use of a cell phone, without the use of the internet, and so this kind of falls in line with that, but I don't know if it's like the historical aspect that turns me off, or the fact that like I'm just not crazy about this, because would you consider like this film, it's considered an epic? Would I you wouldn't consider, consider it no, really but an you epic. Just, just a medieval, like historical. It's, it's a historical drama, and that—that's yeah. nothing. That's not a dig at the movie. Like this is a big part of European history and right. what transpired to make France and England become one, you know, united front. Yeah. But at the same time, and I think we'll kind of get to it as we go along. But when I think of epics, a lot of the time I'm thinking of things like Braveheart or Gladiator or Ben Hur, like grander scale type adventures that are very steeped in like emotional characters and growth like you feel like you're getting something out of it mm. and I'll kind of jump into it I really like Timothy Chalamet in the film I just didn't feel like we got very far with where he starts to where he ends like yeah he's drunk and he sleeps with people and he becomes the king but he's still kind of hot-headed and you know, all of this happens because he wasn't even really willing to figure out if the information he got was good. Um, 
I agree somewhat. I mean, I, I see a transformation for sure, but I right. think it actually speaks to maybe how the, the film actually ended itself. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the the bigger conversation, the, the bigger concern, because it just ends abruptly on a very weird note, in my opinion. But as far as the story goes, as far as the genre goes, again, I'm not that interested in it or attracted by it. I literally know nothing about the historical significance of this. Like, sure. I saw some tweets because, you know, it's been out a couple of days. And I, I was actually laughing at somebody who was like, this is this film actually takes care of Henry V's story, unlike other movies. And so, like, somebody was just <laughs> comparing it to other Henry V films the way that we would compare Batman. It was just kind of <laughs> funny. I, was, I just had a good time at that. But hey, man, I, some people <laughs> think Henry V is very, very important. Yeah, he's a very good king. Uh, no, I, I was just laughing at that. I had a good time at that because that's just not who I am. So, know nothing about it. And, and that's that's not even really why I wasn't attracted to it. It just also doesn't help. At the same time. Right. So, yeah. To get into it a little bit more, I, I, I guess I was mainly attracted to it because of the Joel Edgerton of it all, that he wrote and starred in this film. Something I didn't know until we got to the end of the movie. David, how do you pronounce his name? Do you know? Mashad. Mashad. I like David Mashad as a director. I love Animal Kingdom. I think it is freaking fantastic. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Joel Edgerton and uh, ben Mendelsohn are in that movie as well. It's like keeping it in the family. So Well, and not just that, he also did The Rover with Robert Pattinson, and Pattinson's also in this as well. That's so that's really cool. Um, and I, I want to say real quick, like I'm sure we'll get into it, fun scene Pattinson in this. I thought he was actually quite good as the Prince of France. I thought Robert Pattinson was the best part of the movie. I don't know if I'm going to say the best because I really, really like Joel Edgerton. Okay. But it, it's very close for me, too. I, I think Pattinson m- made the movie... He he raised the bar every time he was on screen and made everything else around him better because of it. Like he, he was by far the, He was the most interesting thing about this movie, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's speaking volumes, considering he's not in it a lot. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I know, it really I don't disagree. It is unfortunate. He plays the... the Dauphin of France. It should be Dolphin, but it's Dauphin, you know? Uh, <laughs> great cast. Timothy Chalamet, Joel Edgerton, like we said. Sean Harris from the most recent two Mission Impossible movies, Pattinson, Ben Mendelsohn. Lily Rose Depp. Who was she? Was she the girl at the end? She must have been, because I didn't even realize she was in it. No, Lily Rose Depp. Or is she the one he's sleeping with at the beginning of the movie? Her character name is Catherine. But I don't know if that's... I don't know who... That is, but she's in it. We we saw Lily Rose Depp, even though we do somewhere not, in the movie. Somewhere, I, I think, like I said, it might have been back at the beginning. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Anyway, look, honestly, I'm not gonna lie. This is my first like trip down Chalamet Lane. Did you I, not see Call Me by Your Name? Yeah, no, I did not. Oh wow! The okay. only movie I've seen of his is Interstellar, which he's obviously like on the outside, and Lady Bird, which I don't think he had a tremendous role. I mean, he was he was the friend in Lady Bird, but it wasn't like Timothy Chalamet's movie. So this is actually really the first time I've actually seen Mr. Chalamet, Mr. Chalamet uh, in form. And he's kind of been like, I've kind of rolled my eyes at this guy because him and Lucas Hedges are like just <laughs> the people that Hollywood calls when they need an actor because there's like no reason to explain why why they're just in every kind of 
they're in every edition or every version of a certain type of movie, which sure. I find hysterical. But uh, so I don't know. I've kind of just rolled my eyes and kind of made a meme out of them in my own head, even though I don't think that's how the world sees them. I've just I don't know. I've I've never the taken them seriously. Him. Yes, it, t- people take him seriously, and I just have not up until this point. I don't know why. I just have it. That's just the Ryan Snelling way. It's an inside joke with myself only that I've just kind of rolled my eyes at this dude. But he is in a lot of like notable movies. Hostels, which unfortunately I haven't seen. Upcoming Little Women and Dune. So I'm definitely going to see more of him. But this I'm is just super my first excited go-around. he's in Dune. Like yeah. super duper excited about Dune. Well, all of this to say, I thought he was quite good in this movie. Yes. He, he wasn't my favorite part. Probably my second favorite part. But he was quite good. I mean... He had an epic rousing speech, rallying the troops right before they went into battle. I thought he did a great job. It's not a great speech, but he did a great job in that moment. And uh, but overall, I liked seeing him bounce off bounce off of these great veteran actors. So he was quite good. He's really showing. Not that I didn't think he didn't show promise. Obviously, I thought he was really fantastic in Call Me by Your Name. Like I, I'm a little bit on the train for him. Like I think he's very, very talented, and I think that this is one of the best roles because, again, like you just said, him bouncing off of all these really talented thespian type actors that are in this space, he hasn't really done it in that way. Right, and it was cool seeing him as a part of that, and I think especially right towards the end of the movie, the scene between him and Sean Harris is one of the best moments in the entire film for him alone because it's just such a raw emotional realization that he was led down the wrong way. And just the way that he and Sean Harris go at each other is so powerful and so interesting. And I do wish that he had more time with Ben Mendelsohn. Me too. But I do not wish the movie was longer because of it. I kind of wish that the movie started differently, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, because I understand the point of where we start with the character and him going out and doing the, you know, let's just you and I fight because it's a setup for later in the film. Right. But it also doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. I wish the movie did a little bit more of like holding our hand at the beginning, like playing catch up, right. like setting stage a little bit better. Cause the movie just kind of like, it just gets into it and you kind of already figure out the relationship between him and his father and him and his brother. I wish it actually took like a few more moments to like set the stage and give us more time with all of it without sacrificing screen time. So if that just means like faster editing and just something like a little more modern approach, uh, which might be weird to say, but I, I just and would I have think, responded differently, I think. And I think that's probably a part of it, but I think that's also the point of the movie is that this is supposed to harken back to the Bravehearts and the Gladiators. So you know what? Maybe I'll kind of amend my statement from earlier. It is an epic in a way, but not the traditional epic. Um, normally a traditional epic seems to have more battles and things like that. Like, this one really has the one. I'm going to go with you on that and I'd say that it's actually not an epic. Okay. Like it has obviously it has a lot of similarities with some of the but like this movie is very similar to last year's Outlaw King. And Outlaw King isn't an epic, but yeah, I think they're very similar. Did you you've seen Braveheart at least, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Outlaw King is supposed to be like the next part of that story in a way. Yeah. I, I just didn't think Outlaw King really landed. It didn't. It had moments, but I feel very similarly about 
this movie as I did Outlaw King, which is just like middle of the road. Like it was fine. I think here as a whole wasn't crazy about the runtime. It could have been a little bit shorter. I miss my quicker cuts, the things that I like in the movies like Dark Fate and stuff. Like the, the how we make movies now, I get very impatient and I get bored quickly. Um, if like the characterization, it's I, I mean, I can look past all of that stuff if I'm with the characterization and if I'm on board from the get go. But because of that, I was already so bored that I wished that there was like a different approach to the movie that would keep me. I don't know, yeah. responding to it whatsoever. So it was just kind of lacking a pulse. I could tell when you were while we were watching it. At one point, I looked over. I thought you might have been asleep. You weren't, but yeah. it looked like you might have been at one point. Like, I, I did close my eyes. Yeah, you definitely didn't feel engaged. Mm-hmm. I was more engaged than I expected to be because, again, like movies like this have never been super my calling. Like I like things like First Night. And I love Gladiator. I love Braveheart. Love Gladiator. But like things like King Arthur, the one with Keira Knightley, did Clive Owen. That didn't do anything for me when it came out. What about Kingdom of Heaven? I love Kingdom of Heaven. The director's cut specifically. Troy. I like Troy. I liked it ah. a lot when it came out, but it hasn't stayed with me as much as some of the other ones. I like Troy a lot. Okay, I maybe I need to revisit it. You know what? Another one is really great. It doesn't quite fully fit with what we're talking about, but Master and Commander with Russell Crowe also. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Master and Commander is great. But the thing about movies like this is they're specifically trying to tell this type of story. You can do things like King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, the one that, you know, Guy Ritchie just did. Right. And he tried to do the updated version of it, and it was terrible for it. Like, the fast edits and the too much going on. Like, he tried to modernize what should be the sword and sandal epic and it didn't really work. Yeah, maybe that was a mischaracterization on my part. I don't want I don't want that to be people's takeaway. No, no. Like, I know what you just, meant. Just I was looking for any way to get me right. back into it. Is it really all that I mean? Yeah, I mean, and I knew what you meant, yeah. but more just trying to put this into the, you know, space of the idea that sometimes it doesn't always work because some directors go too far. Yeah, I didn't want it to be like Taron Edgerton's Robin Hood. Like sure. I, I didn't want the new spin on <laughs> <laughs> Which also has Ben Mendelsohn. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and and Arrows. <laughs> yeah, and Arrows. But I will say, too, with this film, I was more engaged than I expected to. I don't know a ton of the films that are Henry V related. I right. think the only one I've probably actually seen is the Kenneth Branagh version mm. from the 90s. So I like the movie, but I'm not super familiar with any of the other adaptations. I know the history because I love history. I think history is fascinating. We all come from somewhere. I guess my question, and I don't know if you can even answer it, but I'll just throw it out into the universe. I'm wondering if this is an adaptation of Henry V or if this is just like an interesting story for this character's life. Like, I wonder if those other movies are the same story. They're they're all similar because it's a very... It, this is like a crowning moment of his okay. time as king. Right. So that's why it seems to be a heavy focus of his story is this. Right. Um, I think this one specifically was trying to do the less Shakespearean version and more a real take on the story. And I saw what this movie was going for. It's more, again, it's so the opposite of epic. It just kind of felt like super like boots on the ground, mm-hmm. like just like on the ground level. 
nothing, no like big sweeping like right. aerial shots or anything like that. I mean, it was very close quarters. It's a, a lot of the time, grimy, gritty yeah. look at medieval battles, and you could see it all over the fight scenes too. So there, there's some strategy, and I think any sort of like strategy to to any battle in a film that's super cinematic like mm-hmm. it obviously works uh this one was pretty simplistic and straightforward which is fine but and I, again this is purposefully i saw what they were doing here the the choreography and the fighting it was very clunky and awkward in the way that like if you and i got super mad at each other and like got into a fight it wouldn't be a choreographed like street right. fight that goes out into the street and looks badass. It would be like one of us just gets the other in a headlock and we're just like clumsily rolling around because we're not doing something that we know how to do. Why are you telling everybody about what happened yesterday? Okay. The the point <laughs> the point being that I liked how it was very awkward purposefully and clunky and people didn't know how to fight and it they were just kind of like rolling around each other and the other takeaway from the fight scene, it, we kind of, you and I kind of perked up after the big battle because we had a lot of points to make. But uh, one of the other takeaways too, it's a, it's really interesting to see how some of this is filmed yeah. post Game of Thrones. Yeah, I noticed that because it has Game of Thrones all over it. The um, the claustrophobia inside of a battle, um, the fear of like getting smothered, like a lot of those things are addressed. In Game of Thrones, like, iconically. And also, a lot of the oneers, the continuous shots, things like mm-hmm. that. That's something that Game of Thrones... Uh, I'm not going to act like they were the first to do it, but I'm saying that this is very much a reaction to Game of Thrones, right. post-Game of Thrones, the way that this was shot. So I think, for me, the biggest problem, though, with it all became... Like, I thought it was a very interestingly staged way to do the battle. I thought it was very realistic. But sometimes realistic is less interesting. Sure. Um, I think that, what was that movie that Steven Soderbergh did a couple of years ago? The action film? With Haywire? Haywire. He went for like a real realistic approach yeah. to the action, and because of that, the movie didn't really work for me. Right. And I kind of felt that here, and especially the other thing was is that because it's so specifically Henry's story, as it should be, that's what the movie is about. Yeah. But because of that, when the battle starts and you're just watching a bunch of people that you don't know and you don't care about, you have no real feeling for any of these soldiers, I didn't care. I couldn't tell who was who. That too. Which side Mm -hmm. in a lot of those shots. It all looked like it was the same army fighting each other. Yeah, and so I just kind of got bored at one point. Which is not something that, as far as I know, ever happens in Game of Thrones or any of the other movies we've listed for that matter. I mean... If your if your shining moment in this it ends up kind of falling flat, I think that's problematic because I found stuff that happened after this more interesting, and that's not the battle. I like the final moment of the battle. Yes, and that's, that's all the best I'll say. Part. I'll say mud, and that's it. I like that move or that moment a lot, actually. Yeah, it just it was dope, and I, like that rousing moment when you know Henry V comes out with the rest of the army. Like I didn't feel excited like oh, I really you know what i mean like it 
was fine. Yeah. It just it didn't hit me in the way I was hoping it would. Yeah, I think I I got a little excited because I wanted to see what they were gonna do with him. Sure. Like Chalamet, honestly, just from like this the movie standpoint, I was excited to see what was gonna go on. But as far as like feeling roused for for the English for the British in this fight, I didn't feel that way. I wasn't invested in that no. way. And I I think again that kind of comes down to the way that the movie is portraying everything and how it's kind of written, which is too bad because right. I really, really like so much of the movie that it's frustrating that what should be like the big moment is just kind of there for me. Yeah. Um, this movie's very middle of the road. I'm kind of just indifferent. I think it's beautifully shot and you can tell like there are people that know what they're doing behind the camera. I just think maybe the subject matter and the way that they tackled it is just not of my interest. Is sure. is really all that it is, and because it's paced the way that it is, it just didn't keep me there always. So I'm actually glad we watched it sure. for this episode because about I don't know 15 minutes in, I was thinking to myself, man, I wonder if I'm not going to have a whole lot to say about this movie. And it turns out. We had quite a bit to say. I mean, we've been gone for 20 minutes already. So I, I'm definitely glad that we watched it for the podcast. I mean, I'm glad we watched it too because, I'm, I'm again, I am a fan of movies like this. I mm. like things like this. They're normally interesting, and I hope that people will watch it because I think at the end of the day, everyone's mileage is a little bit different. And at the end of the day also, I think people will learn something from it. I just think that sometimes we forget where we've come from in a lot of ways. And I think movies like this are really cool to open up to parts of history that people may not know. I mean, again, Henry V is a very famous Shakespeare play at this point. So some people may know it as the Shakespeare play, but watching this version of the story play out, you might get more out of it. And I think that that's a good thing at the end of the day. And I think that there's very strong performances too. Like that alone makes it worth watching. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to, like, recommend it, per se. Sure. So I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to be like, oh, this is worth watching for this, because I don't I don't know if I feel like other people need to watch it, but it also, like, doesn't bother me tremendously that we did, if that makes sense. I, I think right. that just speaks to the indifference. Like, if you skip it, I totally understand. Sure. That's really, that's really all that I got for that. Whereas I'm kind of pushing it more as, like, I think there's a learning thing to be had here, and, like, there is sure. good out of it. I, I don't want to say that it's a waste of time. It's not. Like, it's far from a waste of time, but I also understand why people wouldn't be into it. Looks good. few good performances in there, so. Yeah, I mean, it's on Netflix. If you have Netflix, you're not going to be, you know, shelling out extra money to watch it. You've already got it. So if you're feeling the need to watch this period drama, go for it. Just hit the button. I think our episodes of Movie House illustrate this, but I also learned this looking through my letterbox. I, I lean way more commercial this year. I can tell. For for my favorite movies. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing either. And I mean, we're in the final, yeah. you know, eight weeks, nine weeks of the year. So you're going to be getting a top 10 list, I'm sure, from us or top 15, however we end up doing it. But I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of feeling the same way this year. I'm not blown away by some of the things that I was expecting to be. Obviously, yeah. talking to Lighthouse last week did not do as much for me as I had been hoping. I haven't seen Jojo Rabbit because it's not around here. Yeah, which is driving me crazy because I want to see Jojo Rabbit. But like The Farewell 
and Parasite are the only two that really come to mind right now that like really sprung off the screen and like screamed, look at how great we are. Shadow? Oh yeah, Shadow's great too. I was the one who really pushed Shadow. Like that movie is fucking amazing. For sure. It really is. I like it a lot. Um yeah, we'll definitely do like a top ten list of some kind at the end of the year, without a doubt. Um but anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining us here yet again. Here's our Terminator Dark Fate spoilers. All right, so let's finally get into our spoilers discussion for Terminator Dark Fate. What you got for me? What's first? I mean, the obvious is the thing that we kind of kept alluding to and alluding to and alluding to is that this film is Sarah Connor's film and not John Connor's film because the film opens with John being murdered in the past. And I think that's a very important move on the part of the franchise to finally be like, we realized that we kept focusing on John, and right. he was never the heart of the franchise. It was always Sarah. Like, Sarah is the character you guys were invested in, not John. And the easiest way to be different than everything else that came before it was to just jettison that character by murdering him. I agree. I agree. At first, I didn't know what to make of it. I think it's super important overall to what it means for the franchise, though. Because, again, if we got another John Connor, Connor movie then it, it could have easily just fallen back into that tired old idea. So I'm, I'm really glad that that's not the case. And seeing Linda Hamilton back was great, obviously, but we also got a tremendous scene at the beginning of the movie. I thought it was fan-freaking-tastic, and it also involved some of the best de-aging I have ever seen in my life. I felt like I was watching the epilogue to T2 in that cantina, or whatever you want to call it, with young Lyndall Hamilton and Edward Furlong, young Arnold. I mean, it just crushes. And what's crazy is that, like, yeah, they had the sunglasses to hide behind uh, this time, but we just saw, like, a de-aged Arnold a couple of years ago in, right. in Genesis, and this was just miles better. It's oh, crazy yeah. how far we've come, but it was just... I, I was kind of shocked by that entire sequence, but I was really shocked... When I saw Edward Furlong turn around. Well, that was the craziest part was like they brought they talked about it at Comic-Con. They were like, we have Edward Furlong back as John Connor. And everyone went, wait, what? Like, really? Edward Furlong? That guy? Yeah. And there he was, Edward Furlong from Terminator. And my God, the CGI that they did just to bring him back alone is ridiculous. And you hear him talk, too. Like, it's clearly his voice. It was pretty remarkable, but dude, the Linda Hamilton. But I don't think it was today's Edward Furlong's voice. I think they like changed, like stock. Maybe, but there, it was still no, great. Yeah, it was great no matter what. But I, I don't think that it came from the mouth of 2019's Edward Furlong. It's just the way that it's presented. Like it's friggin' wild. It's it's pretty much flawless. And the Linda Hamilton de aging is just. Dude, it was Sarah Connor from T2. It really was. Like It was shocking. It was ridiculous how good it was. It was on the level of how good the Michael Douglas de-aging has been in all the MCU films, because right. I still contend that his de-aging has been the best overall that's been done, and this is very close to it. It really is. It's it's really awesome. So, um, Outside of that, something I kind of want to touch on, too, is that... 
I like the way that the movie plays with the idea of fate. We kind of talked about it earlier, like the rhyming of the timelines, the the way that this continues. But it also finally gave us a reason for Arnold to be in this movie and done correctly. And that was that he was sent back in time to kill John. But once he killed John, that future never happens. So right. his Terminator just kind of gets stuck in time. And so this is the thing that I like the most about the movie and again, another reason why I think Arnold's performance is the best that he's given is because he is so humanized by what he has done because he had no more mission once he killed John. And so he ends up saving this woman and her child and raises this kid, and he ends up deciding that what he did to Sarah was wrong, and so he's trying to give Sarah purpose in life and has been sending her coordinates to where Terminators would drop so that she could kill them before they would get farther. Right. And I loved that. I love everything about that storyline. Yeah, I really like the motif in Terminator. And, you know, a lot of movies play with this as well. And Terminator has kind of done it since T2. But the idea of, like, what it means to be a machine versus what it means to be man. And they certainly address that. But it's also some of the stuff that I really took to, again, in Terminator Salvation. Like, I like that exploration with, with Marcus as a character. Uh, but this time they got to do it with the T-800. They got to do it with Arnold. They got to do it with Carl. I thought that was really, really well done. Really, really appreciated that as well because, I don't know, it, it allows you to do the comedic stuff and it allows you to get away from playing the horror beat as well. So I just I just enjoyed it quite a bit, how, how they... I like how they executed rhyming with the pre-existing movies and I like how they executed everything else that was new. And some of them are like... Kind of on, like, I, I didn't right away put it together that Mackenzie Davis is already so inspired by Linda Hamilton, but of course it's like a no brainer. Like, right. duh, she embodies Sarah Connor, but she's an augmented uh, soldier from the future. All that stuff was cool, too. We didn't even talk yeah, about Yeah, we the, didn't the talk about any of that. So that's one thing. I, I'm glad we brought this up. The future stuff that's. I liked how it reminded me again of Salvation. It was a lot more like Salvation than it was like any of the stuff we had seen in Cameron's. And that's that's only smart because maybe maybe it's not the one you prefer, but it at least kind of like rounds out the visual identity of this entire franchise a little right. bit to where now we can just have both. Well, and it's also a different future. Like sure. we we do see a little bit of the future we know. Yeah. And that's before John is murdered. But then yeah. once John is murdered, the future is different. And yes. that this future is very, very cool. And it's very different. And the one thing that I liked a lot about Mackenzie Davis's character is that her being augmented and created to be essentially like a kamikaze soldier to fight the Terminators in the future right. is so interesting. Like, they literally take humans to be the frontline fighters against these Terminators, and they're expected to kill or destroy. Right. And by destroying, that means that they weren't able to defeat the Terminators, so they, like, overheat and explode. It's so interesting. So, Arnold dies at the end of the movie. It's not the first time we've seen Arnold's T-800 go down in T-101. T-101. Well, whatever. So, <laughs> so, do we think that this was a non-publicized final goodbye to the franchise? Or do you think it's just another example of him doing that, but he'll, he'll show back up in another movie as another no, this is it. And so that's what I was bringing up earlier. Like, this is definitely the end of that version of the timeline. This is why there will never be another Arnold in these movies is because that future no longer exists. Right. And that's what I like so much about it. Like, that 
whole timeline loop is closed. Sure. So this was the last Arnold, and right. I liked that about that. And I like how the the movie addresses cleverly cleverly that there's still kind of always a future to answer to. And I think mm-hmm. maybe the stuff that doesn't get highlighted enough in this franchise is that it's always brought upon human flaws. Like a hundred percent. Like like the way that the franchise is set up, it's all centered around like AI and stuff, but it's really about mankind that gets us there. And I think it comes back around full circle because then it's like mankind who gives us hope in all of these movies. But it, the thread exists because mankind had keeps a desire building. for war and, and, and yeah, keeps. So I loved that Linda Hamilton even was the one who talks about because they, she finds out about the new future is this thing called Legion and she goes fucking we like, we can't leave well enough alone, like fucking humanity. Right. And, and it's so true though. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I just thought it was clever all around. Pretty damn good. I think so. the whole movie is. And again, like we said it earlier as final thoughts, but it's easy to write this off as another Terminator film. I get it. Like we have had so many subpar sequels to T2. This is the best sequel in this franchise since T2. It is the true sequel to T2, and you guys really need to check it out. So if this is the Prometheus of this franchise, I hope that the next movie that comes out doesn't pull an Alien Covenant where it feels like it has to still hold on to the pre-existing Terminator stuff just in case. Like, go on, commit to it, follow through, let's stick with all this Legion stuff, let's stick with McKenzie Davis. If you want to bring back Linda Hamilton as, I don't know, like the way that you bring back, I don't know, a Fast and Furious character like Tyrese, (laughs) (laughs) then, then do it. But like... Just keep moving forward. Keep moving forward in this new direction. If you want to call it Terminator, fine. We call it Terminator Legion and, I don't know, get away from Skynet. Never say the word Skynet. Never say the word Cyberdyne. Um, don't bring back Arnold. Whatever. And, and don't pull Prometheus 2. Or Alien Covenant, excuse me. I think that's the obvious choice at this point is to keep moving forward. And it feels like uh, the only one who's going to be back outside of Natalie Reyes yeah, will be I think Linda Hamilton. Tim Miller seems like he had this like shepherding role in, in getting this thing made. So I hope that continues into the next movie, whether he directs it or just produces it or writes it or whatever. David Goyer wrote part of it too. I was so shocked to see some of the writing credits because usually when a movie has like six writing credits, it's like, oh my God. It's like a Cowboys and Aliens situation, but wasn't really the case. No, not with this one. And the one thing I'll always say about Goyer, he's a much better idea man than an overall like writer. Yeah. So I'm glad he was surrounded by other people. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's it for the spoilers on Terminator Dark Fate. Unless we come up with something else, you can hear about it next week when we're back on Movie House. We'll be talking about Doctor Sleep. So get excited. Where can the good people find you online, PJ? You guys can find me online at PJ underscore Campbell on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at the PJ Campbell Show Facebook group where we talk about movies and things like that in a really nice space. Of course, you can find the PJ Campbell Show wherever podcasts are sold. And you can find me here every week talking movies with Ryan on Movie House. You can find us reviewing Watchmen over at TV House. And you'll find me at Clicking and Streaming tomorrow. Also, our Mandalorian recaps are less than two weeks away. Holy crap. Yeah. 11 days until the debut of Mandalorian. So 
We will have Watchmen recaps and Mandalorian recaps up on this very podcast feed coming very soon. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WhatUpSnell. Guys, I also host a podcast called Sight and Sound. It's a pop culture podcast. We are streaming live on Twitch almost daily, almost daily throughout the week. So go to twitch.tv slash sightsoundpod and follow the Twitch account so that you can see all of the streams. If you have an Amazon Prime account, you can link it to Twitch. And if you subscribe, like on Twitch every single month, you get a subscribe button for one Twitch channel. So if you use Sight and Sound as your monthly subscription, then we get $2 and it costs you absolutely nothing. So it's a super easy way, probably the cheapest way to support what I'm doing at Sight and Sound by just doing that monthly subscription on Twitch. So I would greatly appreciate it. Anyway, that's it for me. See you then.